0: The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. We start hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show on Thursdays with our friend Matt Mayer. You can find Matt on Twitter at OhioMatt. His website is OpportunityOhio.org. It's a great site to keep track of all things business-related in the state of Ohio. And if you're not following Matt on Twitter, you're missing a lot of great links to a lot of stories, some of which we will talk about here. And Matt does a great job on business matters and also on political matters. We're happy to have him with us. And Matt, the uh, talk in the political world the day after is the John Fetterman-Dr. Oz debate in Pennsylvania. I don't think we have to get an assessment of how John Fetterman did. Everybody admits he didn't do well at all, even those on his side say that it was tough. They make excuses for him. But what do you think the eventual fallout of this will be? Does it swing the race to Dr. Oz?
1: Absolutely. I mean, look, it's clear to any independent uh, moderate Democrat and, of course, Republican in Pennsylvania that John Fetterman, sadly, just is not mentally and physically able to actually be a U.S. Senator and, and shame on his family and friends, shame on the media, uh, for, for not kind of getting him to a place where he can, you know, heal in private because this is, this is not what we should be doing. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I think Oswin's the Pennsylvania seat now. Um, And maybe even comfortably wins it. Uh, So we'll see in the next week or so when polling comes out post-debate.
0: So I saw a compilation of Pennsylvania voters, and you had a couple who were like, you know, he's just not up to the job, and I feel bad for him. He should be recovering at home. And then they had a woman uh, who said, uh, I'm still going to vote for him. You know, he clearly lost. She said he clearly lost, but uh, I still like him better, and I'm going to vote for him. And that's a point Mara Larson made on Special report last night, and I don't typically agree with Mara Lassen on anything, but she said, we're going to find out if we're just so polarized that we're going to vote for whoever the D is, whoever the R is, we like what they stand for, or we're just so locked in, so entrenched where we are. Uh, that's my fear, that it performance doesn't matter anymore. And I wonder, uh, will this midterm election be a referendum on that? Because if you go down the list of Democratic policies, I mean, it's hard to find one that works.
1: Yeah, no, I, th- I think it is going to show that to to the degree that I think about 40% of of one side is, is locked in and 40% of the other is locked in, meaning of the 100% the electorate, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got about 20% who probably aren't locked in, and those folks are the ones that are going to decide elections. And, and that's where, you know, I, I, I think you'll see that in Pennsylvania. You'll see that in potentially the New York governor's race, uh, where I just don't think it's, it's you know, you, you're going to see the Democrats have a good night just because, again, you can't really put point to a policy that has been a successful one over the last two years. Uh, and folks are just, they're, they're hemorrhaging here. And, and look, the jobs, we're looking at more job losses here in the coming months. So it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse.
0: Matt Mayer is our guest. He's with Opportunity Ohio. Follow him on Twitter at OhioMatt. The website is opportunityohio.org. Well, we've seen these wild swings in polls from several months ago to now in Georgia, in the Senate race, in the New York governor's race, in Obviously, the Pennsylvania Senate race. The polls that started close and stayed close are in very short supply. But the one that leaps to the forefront of that outlier is the Ohio Senate race. J.D. Vance, Tim Ryan, and has not moved much at all. And Fox News is coming to town for a town hall with J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan next week. Do you think this is a wise move for either or both or neither candidate to do a town hall Next week with Martha McCallum and Brett Baer.
1: Yeah, I mean look, I think it's a a smart move for both candidates. I think they both have a good persona kind of in that in that setting, and I think they'll both come across well. Um and I think J D is actually really good. He he has that Trumpian component to him, meaning he, he doesn't just sit there like a Mitt Romney and, and get get beat up and accept it. He he'll push back aggressively against Tim Ryan Blythe. And so I think I think it'll be a good, good opportunity for, for J.D. to kind of close the deal of Fox News viewers and, uh, and spread the word beyond that. So I, I think it's a good move. And I think Tim Brian has no choice. He needs to do it because um, he I think he obviously knows he can't win Ohio without Republican votes.
0: Yeah, I think, Ryan, the danger for Ryan is he's going to get a lot more pushback on his previous positions compared to what he's saying now from Brett Barr and Martha McCallum than he's ever going to get in any other debate or certainly the two that he's done.
1: Uh, he might. I mean, look, I, I I'm I'm always amazed that you know there are times Brett Baer, to me is is, is does a great job at that, and are other, other times I'm kind of like, eh, wow, gee, Brett, why didn't you ask that question? Um, and and Mar- Martha will probably do a good job, so we'll, we'll see. But you know, they tend to be more, or, or, I don't say squishy, but you know. The left never gets the same kind of direct, blunt questions that the right gets. It's just the nature of, I don't care which channel you're watching, right? It's just the, the nature of journalism that they come after the right far more than they do on the left.
0: Matt Mayer, our guest, OpportunityOhio.org. His Twitter handle is at Ohio matt. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point you made in that I think Brett Baer tries really hard to separate himself from Tucker, from Hannity. He works at the same network. He doesn't want to be viewed the same way. He shouldn't be viewed the same way. He's trying to be more of a down-the-middle guy. And I think sometimes he and other news anchors at Fox are so sensitive to the criticism that Fox gets as a right-wing mouthpiece that they may be a bit hesitant to engage and hold liberals' feet to the fire, like they certainly could and I believe would be justified in doing.
1: Well, and, and, and look, don't don't underestimate the power of belonging. And when you live in the the the, the fishbowl that is. Washington, D.C. or New York City that are dominated by the left. Now, you don't get invited to the salons in Georgetown or the Kennedy Center Honors and all those important places if, if you're seen as, as one of those guys. So so they also are worried about that. I mean, that's why, you know, it, it's a little segue here. That's why you see over the course of years, so many, you know, conservative Republican appointed Supreme Court justices bleed left because they get caught up in wanting to be kind of part of the in crowd that is D.C., which is dominated by the left. And I saw that when I was there and you, you, you just it's it's palpable and so you know there's that that kind of influence on people as well that, that, that people just don't understand if you don't have not, have not have not been in those fish bowls.
0: You had an interesting story that you retweeted on your timeline at Ohio Matt about batteries and EVs and you've been very good at finding these kinds of resources out there because I think a lot of people have questions about uh, do EVs make sense for me? What's the break even point? How much in gas? Could I afford uh, in the difference in price from a gas-powered vehicle to an EV? And good stuff on batteries, too. Uh, where are you right now as you assess these kinds of decisions for yourself and as you view uh, the narrative about EVs, how affordable and how wonderful they would be for uh, us to all convert to it?
2: Yeah, look,
1: I, I think about six months ago, two years ago, people started to kind of realize like that that EVs are not the panacea because of what it takes to make the batteries uh, in the cars, the grid that goes with that, that, that the amount of uh, precious metals that have to be mined, and the destruction that that's going to do to the environment. And then when you even get the, the car on the road, you know, study after study started to show that you need to drive an EV about thirty to seventy thousand miles, depending upon the the model. For it to become environmentally more friendly than an internal combustion engine. And so when you think about all that goes into that, right, that doesn't make it very green. And so I think as more of this gets exposed, as more of the data comes out on the mining damage, the environmental damage done there, uh, and what, what, what happens when you get the phone call saying, oh, you need a new EV battery. That's going to cost you $20,000 and it starts that 30 to 70,000 mile clock all over again. And so the, the reality is EVs are going to have a place for wealthy, largely white, educated liberals who want to kind of virtue signal. And I think for the vast majority of America, they're going to say, I'll, I'll stick to my, uh, my, my regular car here that, that it, I like to drive, is comfortable, and you know I don't have to worry about things like a, the battery going out. Well, more importantly, God forbid the thing catches on fire in your garage. And that's the other thing, Bruce, we're going to start seeing is, as these as these EV fires start happening more and more often, you're going to see insurance companies start charging far higher rates on homeowner insurance because they're going to worry about a fire happening in your garage. That's going to, and you can't put out a lithium fire with water, so those things just have to burn out. Which means your house is going down,
3: mm.
0: and,
1: and that's going to then be reflected in the, in the, in the housing. Uh, uh, Market as
0: well. That's a great point. Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org. His Twitter is at OhioMatt, and that's where you'll find a lot of the links to the stories that we talk about here on his Thursday visit with the Bruce Woolley Show. You know, it was uh, roundly cheered when Honda announced a battery factory for Ohio. Uh, you've talked a lot about jobs in Ohio. What's your view of where we are jobs-wise and DeWine and Husted heading into a second term? Uh, love to trumpet their triumphs on the jobs front with Intel and now Honda.
1: Yeah, things are things are getting worse, Bruce. I mean, we've had job losses last month, and all, our recovery from the pandemic has slipped in several spots. We're now the forty third best, meaning we're the eighth worst. Uh, that, that's a terrible place to be. And so I, I, I say, you know, if you look at the Dwight Houston first term; they're gonna they're gonna be net negative in terms of private sector job growth for their first term. We're going to have, I think, given the numbers right now, we're going to end of the year. It'll be the 25th straight year Ohio has not added 100,000 or more jobs uh, in the private sector. That is bad. And, and again, don't, look at, don't throw me intel in some Honda batteries plant in the greater Columbus area as the panacea that's going to suddenly unleash the entire state to, to become a Florida or a Texas. Something's got to change, and the current leadership doesn't appear – capable or willing to actually make the change that needs to happen, and and that's not good for Ohio.
0: Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org. Next week when we visit, we'll uh, be bearing down on the midterms. I really look forward to talking to you about that, about the latest polls, what you expect not only in the midterms, but what might transpire after that regarding Joe Biden and the future of the Democratic Party. Matt, always great to have you on. Thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Bruce. I look forward to talking to Matt Mayer every week, and when we uh, said goodbye today, I said next week I want to get ahead of the midterm elections and figure out what the narrative is going to be after the midterm elections, because if, and I don't want to jinx it, if there is a red wave, if we get control of the Senate, get control of the House, win some of these governorships around the country, then I think the narrative will shift to, well, Biden can't run again, he's a failed candidate. And I also wonder how much of the Republicans' dominance, if in fact that is what we see, will be blamed on. Well, you know, Elon Musk got Twitter a week ago. and See, see, this is what happens. This is what happens when Silicon Valley is uh, governed by these uh, free speech semi-fascists. Yes, Elon Musk walked into Twitter yesterday with a sink and then tweeted, let this sink in. He's supposed to buy Twitter tomorrow. Uh, Doug was listening to the show and he says he used to work in Silicon Valley. He joins us, 844-TALK-989. Hi, Doug. Welcome to the Bruce Woolley Show.
3: Hey, Bruce. How are you?
0: I'm very good. Thank you for asking.
3: Yeah, uh, so I didn't work for him. I've just been involved. You can actually love Apple, Twitter, Google, Facebook, Intel, all into one because they're all exactly the same. And I've been intimately involved in the development of the campuses out there in Silicon Valley. Um, you will want- there's a lot of good people that work for these companies, but the young, quote, skateboard-riding, man-bun, safe space uh, crowd is dominant in these companies. And there was one glaring example that I thought you might get a kick out of. So this goes about, about a year and a half ago. I was on one of these campuses, and I was talking to um, uh, one of the high-level people there. And the food court slash cafeterias in these places, I mean, you can literally, it's like a high-end restaurant. You can order just about
0: anything you want. Yeah, it looked, it looked like time. high-end seafood that, this, this, that they were getting at Twitter the other day. I mean, it's crazy. It, 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 well, but they
3: have, a, they have a method to it. They really want people to stay on campus. Yes, I so know. They don't want people to be for lunch, you know, for safety and people get in trouble. Um, so they try to cater to them. But, I mean, I've never seen anything like, um, it's even more than what you described there. But I'll give you a, a funny example of one of these companies um, Red Bull is a very popular drink among all these people. And um, so the purchasing group that is in charge of buying all of these beverages, by the way, all of this is free of charge.
0: Yes, I know, yeah, of they course.
3: They don't, they, don't, they don't pay for any of
0: Nope, not a thing.
3: Um, so they made a deal with, and I don't drink Red Bull, but it's one of their major competitors, and it was a much better deal to, to go with them. And they had... I'm not a minor, but a major revolt, threatening to walk out. Uh, they're not unionized. They're strike. They were going to leave, and, I mean, all hell broke loose. And they quickly had to cave and go back to Red Bull. And it, it was bizarre. And so I'm talking to, to the connection that I had at one of these plate campuses, and they said, like, this is a, almost a daily occurrence. If something isn't just right and just perfect, it's, they, have, they hold all the power. Yeah. So at least they feel like they hold some power. Well, of
0: why wouldn't they? If they can <laughs> complain about the drink they're getting free and say they want a different kind, gee, Doug, why would they think they have all the power? Because they do. Well,
3: that's, well, that's what I mean. And these campuses, I'm going to tell you, they're nicer than most high-end parks and high-end neighborhoods all over the country. I mean, these, these are beautifully manicured skateboard paths uh, and electric bike. I mean, it's just crazy. And, and, and more power to them if they need to do that to attract you know, to attract the talent that they're looking for. But this wokeness has gone on so long and it's and it really started out there and unfortunately it's gonna probably bleed here with Intel coming. Yeah. Because again, of a young woke talent that they feel they need to get to to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish.
0: But, yeah. Well thank you for your perspective. I appreciate it very much. You're you're probably right about Intel here. You would think oh okay. You would think the Intel guys are in their boardroom they let their man buns down for the day and put their skateboards in the corner. I loved his description. Skateboard riding, man bun wearing, safe space seeking executives. That tells you. I can tell
2: you that um, this is through my my husband and a friend of my husband. There is a business here in town, at least one, maybe more, that – caters to some degree that way and sure. that they want you to stay on campus it's called OCLC mm, yeah it's a giant facility yeah. there in Dublin and I will tell you that you know 15 20 years ago that was the place to try to get a job because once you were in first of all you were in for life and second of all you know beautiful campus sure uh, you know, I, I don't know if the food was free, but it was very nice food and they encouraged you to stay on campus so that you didn't leave and have to clock out and come back and all that stuff. So,
0: Well, yep. the way this could work is Intel's executives could put their skateboards in the corner and say, all right, now when we get to Ohio, like we got to knock this garbage off because it gives our workers a sense of entitlement to where they can lay on the floor and throw a tantrum when we want to switch from Red Bull to Monster. Or, or they're so committed to their way of doing business that they're like, you know what, if we go into Ohio and none of these other companies offer this stuff, then we'll have people coming over. We'll get the best people. I understand both perspectives. I understand the perspective of saying we'll rob the best from Nationwide. We'll rob the best from Motorists. We'll rob the best from OCLC and Ashland Chemical and every other big company here in town. And we'll get the best and we'll hold on to them because we have all this stuff. So then what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Then Ashland Chemical and Motorists and Nationwide are going to say, well, This is what we have to do to keep pace so that not everybody leaves us and beats it out the door for Intel. And so that's how this gets in. The reason why Google does it is because Facebook does it. And the reason they do it is because Twitter does it and because other companies out there do it. It's a can you top this? This gives us an an advantage. And you just have to at some point in time say this is utter nonsense because it ingrains in the the workers, that they're what?
2: The boss! Well, I think having... They're not the boss. They're the workers. Having the food and the restaurants on campus is not a bad idea, but I think the employees should be paying for their meals, for heaven's sakes. The
0: only place I've ever been (laughs) where the employees didn't pay for meals is an NFL front office. Like, Uh in the Browns' front offices, I said, well, I'm not sure it's the same with the Bengals, but uh, Uh the Browns and other franchises, you just walk into the cafeteria, get whatever you want, eat it, because the people in the building who are the high-end athletes who make the whole thing happen, they want them to have the best nutritional offerings. And, you know, the few front office people and all that, you sort of glom on to the fact that that's a necessity for the people who really, really matter to the entire endeavor, even though you don't matter nearly as much. But I don't see why, in a corporate situation, they have to amp up the perks to that degree. But again, it's this whole... Well, maybe if we just did a little bit more, then people would stay here a little bit longer, work a little bit harder. They don't want you to leave. They don't want you to have a life outside of work. They want work to be your life. And maybe that's why we have some of the issues we have with censorship.